It was a great pleasure to welcome Lisa Scales, Head of Talent Acquisition for Nestle in the UK and Ireland, onto TRN's weekly podcast. And so good to hear from uh, the client side in terms of what ha what's happening, what they're looking for. We've just spent two months looking at the strategic opportunities of working and developing better uh, partnerships and relationships uh, with our client base. So to hear from Lisa, who's one of the most articulate and compelling uh, talent acquisition uh, leaders that I've met um, was absolutely fantastic. So enjoy it, uh, plenty to learn and take away. Fantastic. Welcome to Lisa Scales. Thank you for joining us on the TRM podcast. Thank you for having me. You're dialing in from a, a rather cold Yorkshire, I understand. A, a bit of a snowy North Yorkshire today, yes. Good, thank you. Well, anyway, thanks for coming along. Um, I got your name from David Souza, who was on this podcast a few months ago, and I said to him, David, David from the CIPD, David, you know a lot of people. Give me the name of one inspirational person I should speak to. And he said, easy, Lisa Scales. That's why you're on this call. Well, that was very kind of him, and I hope I live up to his expectation. <laughs> um, now, just for the, those people who don't know, you, you are a Head of Talent Acquisition at Nestle, uh, UK and Ireland. Correct. Um, and actually, your, your, your background is fascinating because you've worked um, in this space uh, for years and years and years, both agency side, you've worked on-site for clients, You've worked for some of the largest organizations such as Nestle in terms of talent acquisition. But then there's this really interesting bit in the middle where you set up a, a, um, a tech business, recruitment tech I business. I did, yeah. <laughs> Just tell me a little bit about that. Was that, was that a uh, entrepreneurial uh, uh, itch that needed to be scratched or was it just a frustration that this product didn't exist? Yeah, uh, I think actually it's probably a com combination of the two really. Um, yes, there was probably a bit of an entrepreneurial itch that I had. Um, so I had a, a father who was, uh, I suppose, had a background in very big corporate businesses, sort of worked for Monsanto and, um, and then went out on his own and was very successful. So I suppose there's a bit of entrepreneurialism in my DNA. And um, yeah, I'd worked, as you say, I'd worked agency side for a number of years. And yeah, there was a there was a frustration there in terms of things could be done better. And uh, actually, rather than sit there and whinge, and that's some coaching advice I give people a lot is, if you're not prepared to do something about something, then don't con continue to complain about it. So um, yes, I set up a recruitment technology business. And, and interestingly, um, you know, it was also to give myself time and flexibility, because at the time, I had a, a young, young, young family. Um, and so, but, you know, slight victim of my own success, where I had no time and no flexibility based on um, how successful the business was. So, yep, I set that up. Um, it still goes today, uh, which is great. Um, but yeah, my idea and uh, basically went out, got some tech built and um, and yes, yeah, so it, it still thrives. So um, am I um, technology focused? Yes, I understand tech and totally see its place. Um, what's interesting to me these days, though, is more about behaviours. Um, everybody thinks that technology can solve stuff, but actually um, it's generally to do with people's behaviours versus the process they're in. Um, so it's uh, it's quite an interesting one. 
So, and that and that was Tripad for anyone who's wondering what was this uh, what was this startup? And has the uh, has the entrepreneurial uh, itch been scratched satisfactorily now? Happy with that? Yeah, I mean, um, it's and I I think I think the thing is about the sort of this itch. Um, Anybody that thinks it's glamorous having a startup business and, uh, and and getting it off the ground, and I got it off the ground with no, I didn't go out and get funding or anything. So it was literally um, straight off sort of a zero point. Yeah. Um, and anybody that thinks that that's sort of quite glamorous, it isn't. It's really hard work. And, you know, I uh, found myself, uh, you know, working all the hours God sends, which is exactly uh, what I wasn't trying to do. <laughs> and um, and actually, I think that that sort of entrepreneurialism can come through in different ways. Um, so um, just because you're in a corporate business and to be honest, you probably don't get any more corporate than a, a Nestle in the sense of its, its enormity in terms of just its just its sheer size of an organization but my my sort of view on it is is that creativity that you need as an entrepreneur shouldn't leave you um and um i'm a quite i'm quite disruptive in the sense of i like to look at things in a different angle and and always going what's a better way to do this so not just uh, we've always done it like this here thankfully nestle is an organization that absolutely allows you to do that um, so it allows you to have that room. And yes, there's always constraints, but there's constraints all over life. You know, yeah, I want to drive at 150 miles an hour. I can't. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things. But you find a way to um, to be entrepreneurial whilst in a corporate environment. What's your um, we've uh, across our membership since uh, COVID uh, arrived on our shores. We've seen phenomenal um, uh, effort, energy, uh, innovation, uh, back to the wall kind of innovation, as in, if I don't do something different and radical here, I might not have a business. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's, been, it's been phenomenal. It's been quite inspiring to see, you know, across our membership and lots of other sectors, people just saying, right, okay, we've got a few challenges here. I'm going to find a way to do something radically different, uh, change direction, change size, change shape, automate, automate or whatever. What, 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 why, why is that? Why can't we have that sort of level of innovation uh, and inspiration on a more regular basis? Why do we need a, a global pandemic and a big, big deep recession <laughs> to kick it out? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's it, you know, try, trying not to go down the anthropology route. It, it is one of those things where, you know, human nature is such that unless you're forced to do something and backed into a corner, um, you will carry on with the status quo. So I think it's really interesting. Um, I'm hoping that out, out sort of coming out the other side of this sort of pandemic, that we will see people probably probably wanting to take that bit more of a risk and realizing that actually there's probably more to life out there. We've seen some great sorrow and loss across this pandemic. So I'm hoping that slightly changes that attitude and gives people that sort of, do you know what? I've got nothing to lose by doing something different. But inherently, I don't think human beings particularly like change. Yeah. Uh, we, we tend to push against it a bit. And also, you know, the, the the sort of whole adage of, you know, the old adage of if it ain't broken, don't fix it. There is something about that risk as well. If you're sitting there and you're employing a number of people to do a job, um, you know, making a pivot, um, doing something dramatic in your business is high risk because you're responsible for other people's mortgages as well. Mm. So I think you have to do it with careful consideration and just um, evaluate that risk. 
And how 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 um how have Nestle created that culture? Because you you touched on it a little bit early that Nestle has actually got a great culture for innovating. Although please never change the Kit Kat at all. <laughs> no. Um, well, actually, can... that's a really good that's a really good example. Actually, um, so we have work uh, we have um, workplace by Facebook as a as one of our channels uh, communication channels internally. And uh, I only saw over the weekend actually that there was a um, there was an ideas hub around uh, you know give us some ideas anybody in the business with regards to any new uh, flavoring on Kit Kats, but it needs to talk to our consumer base and um, and actually I just thought you know what that's brilliant as, a, as an organization they haven't just got sort of um, you know a load of people in a lab going right how should we do this differently yeah. they're asking the consumer because essentially we're all consumers of, of yeah. some of their brands and I just thought actually that's a brilliant way to engage in employee because um, potentially they may see their own idea being created and produced mass market to a global audience yeah yeah no fascinating um <laughs> if we can if we can move on to the world of work now um we would sure. work, work in the last couple of months with our our members so they're all um uh, recruitment agency owners and ceos and just talking about what is actually changing the world of work because obviously we've been reacting to um COVID-led uh, marketplace, but but actually there are some big, big changes taking place in the world of work. Some of them accelerated by what's happened in the last year. Um, and we were talking about workplace design, workforce planning, DNI, obviously, well-being, uh, still some short-term restructuring, um, mm -hmm. and 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 the employer brand piece. What, what, from your perspective, with your sort of strategic view of the workplace, Nestle and beyond? What are the big ones for you that sort of uh, organizations are wrestling with? Yeah, and and uh, wrestling with, um, I think I think you know probably more just in the sense of, yeah, we find ourselves in an environment at the moment where you know we are wrestling with a pandemic um, from a personal and professional perspective in terms of the workplace. Um, but actually, I think, I look on things slightly differently in the sense of opportunity and, and what we have seen, you've mentioned it, you know, the employee well-being piece is, is, is huge and it's becoming even more so. And it's not just about that single employee. It's about how people interact. You know, this whole remote working piece has really become quite interesting. Um, I don't think we're going to see a wholesale move for everybody to be remote workers. I think humans need to collaborate in rooms and, uh, you know, make eye contact face to face with people. Um, but, you know, I think there's some really interesting stuff coming up in the next, you know, I suppose, not 10 years of our working world. So we, you know, we're in this uh, space where that blended workforce is a really interesting one. And if we think about sort of your, um, uh, your uh, audience in terms of agency partners, that blended workplace, everybody wants to talk about gig economy, but I, I think there's more, more of a blended workplace going on with regards to how do we as an organization uh, look at skills in a different way and buy in those skills in different ways. So, I, I mean, you know, it's not, it's not hugely innovative, but across the contingent piece, across the contractor piece, which obviously that's having a interesting time at the moment with IR35 coming along. Um, and then you've got this, um, I suppose, this gig, this freelancer that, that, that you would bring in on a sort of, 
of, I suppose, statement of work, that contract for services as opposed to that employee piece. And then you've got this um, whole um, internal mobility and how do we define um, and how do we really make the most of our um, employees that we already have in place? And something that, um, you know, I think all organisations are um, uh, don't do very well, and I'm not even sure they see it as a problem statement, is this, you walk into an organisation and immediately the, the rest of your work history is forgotten. You are sort of siloed into that job title or that function area that you're in. And what I'd love to see is far more so, I suppose, movement cross-functionally in terms of if you've got some fantastic analyst skills in finance, highly likely you'd be very successful in supply chain. So because of the, the, the same type of skills, we're just not very good as organizations recognizing that. And I think that's something that we really need to tap into. But from an agency partner perspective, how, how can that help us as a corporate organization? And I think that, you know, um, that there's a there's a there's definitely a place for third party agencies and I'm not a I'm not an agency basher and I'm not a we've got a direct hiring strategy we won't use you again what I want is agility and and the ability to do that flex and that's um you know so for an agency partner to be that really flexible partner that can uh, basically react to the needs that we might need. Now, we might need skills, we might, might need a contractor, we might need a contingent worker, or we might need a permanent uh, worker, FTC, whatever that looks like. So, um, so my view is, is, is being able to um, react to those, I suppose, um, resourcing challenges. But similarly, there's so much that we want to do as an organization that maybe we don't have time to do. Uh, we are flat out. Um, we've got, uh, you know, we've, uh, we're feeding the nation at the moment. Um, lots of people are drinking coffee and eating chocolate at home. And, um, and I suppose it's that, um, I suppose those peripheral services that I'm, you know, I'm interested in. So, so we're working with an agency partner at the moment because we have a, um, a, a an urgent need in one of our factories, and they're going to be running our assessment centres for us. So, if if agencies are thinking in that way, then they'd need to build their capability around that assessment as opposed to just, um, you know, finding a candidate and and sending their CV over to us. So, I I think there is a huge opportunity for people to interact. Um, on that, I suppose those the ecosystem of recruitment doesn't just stop at a person and that resourcing challenge. I think there's a whole gamut of um, additional services that can can be an offer and and even even from a point of a bit of a pick and mix. So therefore, is is it the um, and to be that to be that trusted partner as an agency, we therefore mm. need to be. Uh, slightly more strategic than some are is that reasonable correct yeah and I, and I think it's also understanding that you know we you know we've got our cr critical priorities as a business and and sometimes it, the feeling would be that that uh, an agency partner maybe doesn't well we've got to educate and I do feel that that's something organizations aren't prepared to invest their time doing. Um, so I think there's a there's a piece of responsibility from an organization perspective in terms of really helping people understand our landscape, but also from a agency partner perspective, I really want to see people um, 
being curious enough to learn what could be our priorities, i.e. bring something new to the table. I understand that you may have a, a you know, an issue with X. So, you know, um, it's, um, you know, for example, um, you know, sending insights and, and really um, looking like experts in a certain field is really helpful to us because we can't know it all and and you do get sucked up into the corporate bubble of an organization as well so it's yeah. quite hard sometimes to lift our heads and see what's going on in the external world so again uh, and again experts in whatever they're experts in but also expert experts in your your challenges your problems your gaps yeah your... Absolutely. And I wouldn't be as arrogant to say, you know, well, I'd really want to see somebody in FMCG, you know, uh, speaking to us and giving us all these insights. But, it, you know, there is a there is a piece here around um, I, I, I can I can go on to any news article and understand what the trends are coming out of the workplace with regards to COVID. But actually, how does that specifically, um, you know, talk to, for example, an engineering audience? you know how how what are engineers doing what's their behavior what's their workplace behavior during this um, pandemic and based on the fact they've got an engineering profile are they less likely to move jobs because their risk profile is higher mm. you know i'd love to know stuff like that yeah i'm now going to be bombarded aren't i with loads of emails telling me about our engineers <laughs> we, we, we did a big poll in the last two months with uh, over 100 recruitment agency business owners and it was about in what way um, they could possibly uh, improve or add to their customer value proposition. And there were six key areas. I'm just quite interested in your in your reaction to these things. One, one and, and not in order, but one was being a true strategic partner in the sense you generally understand the long-term goals, uh, opportunities, where they're trying to get to, you know. Uh, secondly, it was about offering, yeah, being able to provide the data and insights uh, so from a talent acquisition point of view or an employment point of view, uh, that might might enable your decision making. Uh, delivering new and different workforce solutions around that sort yep. of piece that you're looking yep. at. Um, being a true leader in diversity and inclusion. So actually, from a talent point of view, we are we can be audited in the supply chain of talent. Um, being the ultimate expert, so actually bringing to you expertise that maybe you haven't got internally. And the last one was just being able to access possibly some of the talent pools that um, you couldn't otherwise access yourself. Is there any, yeah. any anything big ones, or if we no, I think that's a really good. I think that's a great list actually. And actually, let me just sort of talk about the the DNI piece. You know, this is a uh, if we sort of go back to one of your earlier questions. Um, you know, this is one of our big ticket items that all organizations are trying to address at the moment and um you know to a to a, a, a you know a lesser or greater degree than than some but you know we are definitely uh, it is one of our huge strategic priorities from a global perspective and certainly from a uh, uk and ice perspective it is absolutely probably top three if not top two priority as a business and this is about having a diverse workplace and an inclusive workplace as well so um you know if any of our um uh, partnerships with with suppliers can can help us with that mm. um then you know that to me is a, is one of the real priorities that you know sometimes it's it's, it's really hard to get at at times you you know you advertise a role and um you know you hope you get you, you're attracting a diverse um candidate pool and you do all the things that you're supposed to do um everybody's on that yellow brick road at the moment 
So um, if anybody can do a point, you know, give us a point of difference of how we can do it differently or how we can do it better, you know, that that to me is um, somewhere where somebody will win in the space. And nobody, I can't see anybody particularly winning massively at the moment. Yeah. And, and just going back to that, um, the, the market insights and data that might be useful for you in your role, head of talent acquisition for yeah. a major organization like, like uh, uh, Nestle. Yeah. What, what sort of data and insights would actually add value to you? Because you'll have lots of your own, obviously. Yeah. So, so we are fortunate enough that that um, we have a central base of team in Europe that that we work with that uh, we can go to for data and insights. Um, so we can ask for a complete market map of a certain skill set, and we would get data points around salary, some benchmarking data around salary, locations where people's hotspots are, um, and they draw data from from multiple sources. So they're not just using one platform or one one source of uh, data um however that's uh, that's great because that's just that that to me is just a, a sort of a, a data set that we've aggregated in a certain way that makes it understandable for us mm. to me um recruiters on the ground talking to people every single day mm. uh, about their behavior about how they're feeling about their feeling about our brand or other brands that's key to us because that helps shape um, talent attraction strategies around, you know, what's the one thing that's going to make somebody go, I'm going to go and talk to them. Um, so, so in terms of that, I suppose it's that um, behavioral insight. Mm. It's that feet on the ground, uh, you know, as a recruitment agency, uh, you know, if you're speaking to candidates, which I know I've done it, um, you know, constantly day by day, you gather a huge amount of this, you know, what I would sort of say is subliminal data, mm. but actually it could be really valuable wrapped up into a, you know, a, 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 an email to me saying, look, I've seen this in this locale. This is what we're seeing. Uh, or, you know, somebody's moving into this environment, you know, this this location. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's key, key for you to understand that. You might want to look at the workforce, make sure that they're all, you know, happy, but also look at it from a, what are our retention strategies around some of our criti critical talent skills? Because we know somebody's coming into that market. Mm -hmm. And I always thought I always think sort of the information that might be useful is, for example, if I if I knew 20 people that had actually, for whatever reason, decided not to join Nestle. If, if, mm. if we were able to share that kind of information and say, Do you know, what, there are a bunch of people who have taken another route for whatever reason. These are the reasons. Some, some of them might obviously be totally outside your control. But that sort of yeah. conversational or anecdotal data, if it's collected properly and shared properly, must must be must be useful or potentially useful. Uh yeah, massively. A t t really good example. But 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 I also think, um, you know, and I, I'll ha put my hand up on this and I think lots of others would um, that are working in house. And I hazard a guess it's probably similar from an external agency perspective is we're just not very fluent at working with data and analytics. And, you know, it's I appreciate. Listen, I'm ancient. So I've been in this job for a, for a very long time. And, um, you know, it wasn't really a thing when I started out. So there'll be a lot of um, there'll be a lot of people in my position 
that have been, you know, fairly long in the tooth and, uh, and have, have seen the dawn of an era of data and analytics. And we've seen this as a, as a discipline in itself that's come to its fore. So um, I don't think we're great at collecting data. I don't think we're great at displaying data. I certainly don't think we're good at the narrative around it. And that's the story. Um, so what I would do is urge anyone that's wanting to provide that, if they can do it in the most um, uh, scientific way possible, that would be helpful. <laughs> and again, just talking to you, I'm, I'm imagining your team over in, did you say they're over in Switzerland? Um... Your, There's some over in Switzerland, yes. Our global team is based in Switzerland, yeah. yeah. Um, just, you know, an organisation such as Nestle, who's got this resource, is looking at data all the time, then, mm. you know, you're one of the big players. The smaller organisations, the mid-sized, the smaller ones, who certainly don't have that, uh, they need it, and therefore that's an opportunity to... Yeah, massively. And, you know, we're lucky that we've got obviously that data and insight piece, but we've also got a people analytics team that are hugely um, valuable to us. Um, but similarly, there's a lot of, of focus on that internal data because that's the data set we know most about. So actually, that external anecdotal piece is probably the missing link. How confident would you expect your recruitment partners to be in workforce planning? Uh, as in my in the people that work in my teams? No, the people that the, the external agencies that you might be partnering with or working with. Um. I don't think I'd, I, I, I think that's the job for the, for the organization to work out. You know, that, that to me is, um, you know, I, I don't actually think probably most in-house teams know how to do it properly anyway. Um, so actually, if we, if we even just go back a step and just say, let's do some resource planning on a basic level. Um, I think uh, we as in-house teams need to get better at it in terms of showing the business the value that can um that 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 can bring um but also i suppose i touched on it earlier um this is about the education piece and that conversation with our partners to educate them on what's coming over the hill um and we've done quite a lot of work on this recently uh in our brexit um preparations because um resource planning has really come to its fore given the sort of, I suppose, the, the new um, tensions we have with the Brexit legislation that's come in. So um, I think all round, everybody can get better at it. Um, and I won't even go as far to say that it's strategic workforce planning, but um, no, I wouldn't expect an agency partner to be, I think I'd expect them to be curious around it because clearly that's their, it's the demand signal, isn't it? Um, you know, if, I, if I'm saying we've done some resource planning and we know X about the next six months, 12 months, year, three years, whatever, then obviously that, that will help them in terms of, well, I know that if I can start attracting this type of skill, yeah. then um, I can partner more effectively. Yeah, that makes sense. No, I, like, I like the word curious. Um, okay, uh, one, one last area, uh, employer branding, um, which again is uh, top of every great employer's, uh, or, or right up there in terms of every employer's agenda in terms of attracting the best talent. Mm. Um, has that become more important? Uh, is it evolving? How is it changing if it is? And how should recruitment, your your agency partners work with you around that? Yeah, so that's an interesting one. And I think probably to your second statement in terms of evolving, um, I think we're sort of past sort of 
EB 2.0, we're probably moving into a bit of a, a newer age in terms of what we're seeing is, is the real, um, I suppose, that combination, that blend of consumer branding and employer branding, you know, really buffering up against each other and us having to be far more of a partner with our marketing colleagues, with our communications colleagues in terms of how we are portrayed as a business for mm. as an attractive employer brand. Um, and I think there's also an internal employer branding piece as well around retention, reaffirming how we are a great employer and, and what we do. Um, so I think there's probably two sides to it, but I think the third angle to it is, is this consumer brand piece. And, um, you know, the work that uh, Nestle are doing around sustainability, for example, and uh, some of our targets on recycling and um, the environment, that's becoming hugely important to our um, candidates and our applicants. So um, what we need to do is, is how do we bring that out through our employer brand and really show them what type of business we are? And anecdotally, I mean, everybody's saying, oh, you know, the, the, the candidate of today, they're interested in the value set of the business. They're interested in who they are as an organization and whether they align to that person's value set. I do think that's true, but I think it probably goes a lot wider and further than that in terms of um, who are you proud to work for? Um, and interestingly, when I joined Nestle, um, you know, there was a few people that were raised eyebrows on my um, uh, my decision to join Nestle based on the fact that, uh, you know, well, you're just pushing chocolate, aren't you? That's not great for everybody's health. And, and, and actually, um, I'd say more than that. And from a from a sustainability, from a, what we're doing in the environment, and you've got some huge targets coming up in the next few years that we've really hung our hat on. Um, it's a hugely um, environmentally conscious business. Mm. So it was quite interesting that somebody's perception of me joining was probably a little bit negative, but actually, um, if you look at our brands and you look at the absolute vast amount of work and money we do plow into this, um, we're probably up there from a from a CSR perspective. I I, I met a couple of um, uh, on the podcast a couple of uh, Dutch women, twenty year olds, who advise the UN on the next generation. And one of the things they were, they were really interesting because they were saying, actually, the next generation, they, they avoided the labels, but the next generation, it is, it is so much more than what you say. Now they're really looking for the evidence of what you've done, you know, whether it's about DNI or sustainability or, or whatever. And she, they, they, were, they were really uh, very powerful and very, very convinced about it. You've just got to be able to evidence it. It's there. Uh, yeah, and I... Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that's part of the evolving piece. It's not just showing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. It's that we're being held to an account, you know, to account yeah. by our candidates, by our consumers, by our employees. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you put your money where your mouth is and you have to you have to deliver on those promises. Yeah. Quick one on tech, if I might, Lisa, you're a a uh, successful tech entrepreneur and um, what technology are you particularly excited about in, in the world of talent acquisition? Um, hmm. <laughs> that's a good, that's a really good question. Am I excited about any tech in talent that's acquisition? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, I suppose, you know, I can start talking about chatbots, I can start talking about 
machine learning um, and the uh, appearance of some pseudo AI products. Um, I, I think what's quite interesting that I'm seeing coming up is that conversational AI uh, tech. So the, there's, there's more to just seeing somebody on the screen or the written word, there's that conversation. And, uh, and that's gonna be quite interesting from a job application point of view in, in, you know, in the future and potentially gives people some more accessibility. Um, so um, yeah, I, I suppose um, we are seeing a lot more automation. I quite, I quite like seeing that automation, but I, I, I pr prefer automation to be talked about as an augmentation of process to enable recruiters to carry on that conversation. Um, I don't want to see, you know, a robot doing everything because um, I just think at the end of the day, we're still dealing with the human being. And, and that's um, that's the, the, we are, as I keep saying to my uh, my team, we are the most variable product in the world. Um, and uh, and how we deal with that variable product is absolutely key to our success. I suppose ultimately the candidate experience has got to be personalised to really, really engage yeah. and connect. Yeah, massively. And actually, there's loads of tech that can do it. There's no excuse these days. There's no excuse. Um, and it's, a, it's amazing how wrong some organisations are still getting it. Brilliant, brilliant. Lisa, I'm conscious of time. Can I ask you two very quick fire questions? Uh, who, of course you can. Who inspires you these days in terms of thought leaders in whatever field? Um, so who inspires me? Um, I suppose <laughs> um, uh, inspiration. Let me just think about this carefully. I know you've asked me for a quick well, answer, David, but David Susie went snapped. He said Lisa scales in about ten. I know. Minutes. I'm really impressed with that. Um, who inspires me? Um, do I have to choose? Do I? I know. I tell you who does inspire me for a completely. Um, do you know what? I love his attitude and I love the work that Paul Modley's doing at AMS. Um, Paul is the global um, head of diversity and inclusion. Um, Paul does some brilliant work in that space and um he has he delivered a a, a talk uh, at nestle an internal talk at nestle for us and he was brilliantly inspiring so i i would say paul paul mudley one wonderful is there a, is there a great book i should be reading that uh... um yeah so um it's not necessarily hr related but know. again it's um i'm reading uh, in fact <laughs> recommendation by paul modley um, i'm reading um i don't know whether you've, you've seen the series recently on covid uh, well during the covid pandemic is is a sin with regards to the yeah. AIDS pandemic um throughout the 80s and uh paul pointed me towards a book called um all the young men and it's written by an american woman who um, helped AIDS victims in the 1980s. It is hugely inspiring. And uh, actually there's so much kindness in the world uh, without want of reciprocation. So um, I'm reading that and really enjoying it at the moment. Brilliant. And final question, one person, and the answer is not Paul Medley, who oh, God. Should get into this podcast. Um, who well, should you get into this podcast? Um, Paul Medley. 
You could go with Paul. I, I, I'd say Paul. Get get Paul I'm on. He's had a triple mention. He's he's coming. He's had a triple mention. It's, it's yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, listen, there's loads of people, and I will I will literally send you a list because there's some really great people doing some great stuff out there, um, and everybody is um, everybody's trying the hardest uh, through some fairly tough times. Yeah. No, brilliant. Lisa, really, really appreciate you joining us on this. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts, your time, and uh, I hope it gets warmer up in Yorkshire very, very soon. Yeah, no, um, thank you so much for having me. It's no, been really brilliant. good. Really good. Thank you. We'll see you again.